Torpedo. David uh, Lang. Wow. Back-to-back weeks. Who saw this coming? That's right. It's like a torpedo. Uh, you like the juice, no? What? <laughs> that's a, that's a old uh, SNL sketch. It was it's for the Greek place. So it wasn't a Russian thing, so I don't know why I said it. <laughs> uh, welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. I am Drew Scanlon, Danny O'Dwyer, uh, still out enjoying his, I mean, I guess they're not new nuptials, but they're nuptials. Yeah, we went over this last week. It's a debacle, but whatever. <laughs> uh, Dave Lang, once again, <laughs> joining me from Iron Galaxy. It's all your wishes have come true, F1 fans. I'm back again. <laughs> I, I took in your constructive feedback from the last show, and I'm ready to improve this week. Week on week, I'm going to get better and better just for you. It's good. It's good. Dave Lang, it's a good way to live your life. Someone's got to. Uh, that uh, Russian phrase, like a torpedo... Um, of course, if you were with us last year or watched the uh, 2016 Russian Grand Prix, you will remember uh, the Russian Danny Kafiat torpedoing the back of Sebastian Vettel. Um, uh, good word for that also, torpedoing. Yeah, I, I actually think Vettel uh, used that word to describe Danny Kafiat, but he was referring to uh, the previous race in China where Danny Kafiat also hit Sebastian Vettel. Weird. So, it's so weird. Yeah, this is. Uh, th- it, it was this track last year, um, and those incidents, which uh, t- seems like were the the tipping point for Danny Kvyat being bumped down to Toro Rosso. So uh, the pressure for that that home track pressure has to be immense. Yeah, uh, got friends, families want to do well. Plus, there's a bunch of like regional sponsors. Usually, it sponsor the drivers, right? Yes. Uh, also, Vladimir Putin's watching you. Yeah, obviously the the dark hand of communism lurking over your shoulder as well, ready to strike down at any moment. Obviously, goes without saying. Indeed, it does. Uh, let's uh, let's jump right into talking about the circuit itself, uh, Dave Lang. Um, Danny O'Dwyer usually does the track walk here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to run down some bullet points. Um, since the 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 current incarnation of F1, which has been around since the the 50s, there had not been a Russian Grand Prix. Uh, until 2014. Okay. Uh, apparently, F1 had been trying to make one happen since the 80s, which would have been, in that case, the Grand Prix of the Soviet Union, which sounds awesome. That sounds pretty legit. Uh, but the the track in Sochi didn't start to take shape until uh, 2011, when um, two almost $200 million were earmarked uh, for it during the construction of the facilities for the 2014 Olympic Games. Uh, the Winter Games, which took place that year. I think um, I, I think for some reason, maybe this man, I'm just misremembering this, but I think I was on the Russian pre-race last year or two years ago well, as well. Oh, really? We ta- yeah, we talked about this. Like, it, basically, Sochi, it's still a ghost town, right? Like, there's no one there? I don't know. It's So it's uh, it's on the northeast edge of the Black Sea, um, right by the, the border with Georgia to the south. And I... I seem to recall around the Winter Olympics them saying that it's kind of like a, a Russian, um, uh, like summer town. It's where right. you go for your summer vacation. So I don't know if a lot of people actually live there, but um, the track itself does wind around the Olympic facilities. There's like three buildings there where they had a bunch of sports. I just remember seeing there was some. Uh, maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't even talking with you about it. Maybe I'm just remembering that part. One thing I vividly remember is it was like a year after the Olympics. 
or maybe longer. And then they, someone, a photojournalist just went to Sochi and was like taking pictures of all like, here's the apartments that went up and the condos that went up and the housing for the Olympians that went up. And it was all just like overtaken by nature already. <laughs> it was like wow. it was insane. It was like just like no upkeep was going into it. Now that might immediately just be like one part or whatever. The rest of it might be thriving. I mean, but that it was, tends to happen, I think, with Olympic facilities because like there's this gigantic influx of uh, people and athletes and sports happening in this one concentrated area. But you can't keep that up forever. So what are these buildings going to do? Right. It's uh, almost like. Uh, the Olympics are a bad idea for your local economy. It's almost like that. Almost. Um, but you know who's pretty good for your local economy? Well, I guess that's debatable. Uh, <laughs> Herman Tilke, who designed this... Tri- I'm sorry. <clears throat> Herman Tilke. Oh, nice. He designed this clockwise track with 19 <laughs> turns. The long, fourth longest track on the calendar at 5.8 kilometers. 3.6 miles. So, p- predict another good showing from McLaren. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's kind of a... It's Like Australia, it's one of those kind of a street circuit tracks. Yeah. Because uh, uh, 1.7 kilometers or 1.1 miles of the circuit is on public roads, um, which you know, get converted to the track for, for races. Those are fun. Like that... Uh, What's the one they held last year where you're like you're driving through around castles and stuff? It was like oh right Baku, before. yeah, Baku was awesome. Is that in the calendar again this year? It is. Yes, that's gonna be awesome. I love Singapore. I love like the ones that are like street races. So like you know not the best for overtakes like Monaco or whatever, but they're so scenic and they're really really cool. Yeah, they're they're sort of different tracks because because they're on streets. There's a lot of ninety degree turns because that's what streets do, um, and yeah. a lot of a lot of the. Uh, sections are narrow because they've got walls on either side. You know, the, 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 the roads can only go so wide. There's not a lot of runoff either. Um, the, the centerpiece of this track is a, uh, it's like a semicircle, um, that makes its way around a plaza. That's kind of in the middle of all the Olympic compounds. Um, and this is, this is the, it's a long, like left-hand turn. I think it's, uh, turns two and three, uh, and this is where Kafiat hit Fettel twice last year. Um, yeah, I got the overhead up here. Uh, so I, I pulled the, the overhead of the track up. Um, this is a weird turn, the way it kind of like... So it's not... It's definitely not like just a semicircle, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It kind of like goes... like Yeah, it's just like... I mean, I'm just trying to figure out what the apex is, just looking at it. And it seems like that would be a tricky one. It's probably multiple apexes. Yeah. Um, the dreaded multiple apex. Yes. Uh, but yeah, uh, Mercedes has won all three of the Russian Grands Prix, um, from three pole positions. And in fact, has led every single one of the 159 laps ever <laughs> raced around the circuit. Weird. So, uh, a little foreshadowing there. Not um, this week. Not this week, Drew. No? The reign of terror think, ends now. You think Fettel's got it? Oh, yeah. All right. We're looking, I, I'm very, very happy with the way things are going for my boys. Totally. Over, I, over Scuderia. I, I think even, you know, even Hamilton uh, has said that he's looking forward to a, a battle with Sebastian Vettel, which I think, uh, y- yes, I agree. That would be great. Um, I also think that maybe that's a little presumptuous. Yeah. What if uh, what if Valtteri Botas ends up being a, a candidate here? It's a classic. Be careful what you wish for. 
<laughs> right. Um, let's get into the weather forecast for uh, qualifying looks to be in the... Well, hold on. Let's go back for the track before you get off okay. the track. Yes. How many DRS zones are there? Do you know? Uh, I don't actually know. Because it looks like there's probably one between turn one and two. There might be one between 12, uh, between 12 and 13, but that'd be pretty short. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just wondering because like the the DRS things are like okay this is a long track so I'd expect multi- big DRS zones but I'm not seeing where they would be so maybe this is not as favorable or like anti McLaren as I thought originally but yeah I think I think there are there are two according to uh, F1 Fanatic okay um, yeah one on the uh, start finish. Straight down oh, so from 19, no, turn between one to nineteen turn and two. one. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, or it's it's uh, the detection point is between um, uh, turn nineteen and, and gotcha. one, but it starts the the actual zone where you can deploy it starts right after turn one uh, and ends down in in turn two, which is the first right hand uh, ninety degree turn into that like long semicircle. Yeah. So uh, you're you're going a lot. Uh, you got a lot of speed going into that number two, and then you're right on the on the back stretch. Um, there's another 90 degree right hand turn at uh, at turn 10, and then um, uh, the DRS activation zone on the back stretch, which is not totally straight. Right. Um, it's it's kind of a a long curving to the right. So if we were playing Sega Rally, they would call this very long easy left maybe. <laughs> they throw in the maybe there. That's what they do. That's how the guy just doesn't know all the time. Yeah, well, sometimes your handwriting's hard to read. <laughs> all right, qualifying day looks to be in the mid-70s or mid-20s, if you're Celsius nasty. Uh, with 50% humidity, light wind, and little to no chance of rain, race day looks to be almost exactly the same, except maybe slightly warmer. Good conditions. Yeah. Drivers uh, going to be upset. I wonder how humidity impacts tires. I wonder if it does at all. There, or race conditions. I think it's more... I mean, I'm sure everything impacts everything in F1, it seems like. But my general assumption, that I'm sure people will correct promptly as soon as this airs, is that temperature is a much bigger effect than humidity. Um, I guess I think it's it's like... So I don't think it affects... Humidity affects tires, but I think humidity affects uh, engine efficiency is my understanding. Hmm. I could be wrong okay. about that. Interesting. Yeah. Let's just uh, wildly conjecture... But that's not just conjecture. That's based on lots of rampant speculation. It's completely mm. different. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, I do know that uh, warmer air is thinner. So you will have less uh, less downforce happening for you. Mm. So perhaps uh, hum- humid air would also uh, lead to less downforce. But we you know shall see. It's moments like this where the show really misses Danny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should we should get him to to take notes on this and then uh, post an addendum. Yeah, I mean he could iPhone in for this one segment. It's not it's not asking too much. From the beach, from French Polynesia. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, tires Pirelli has selected for the teams to use: soft, super soft, and ultra soft tires. Sochi not really uh, because it is such a, a new track. It is not that. Uh, hard on tires it's it's fairly um smooth still uh, but the, but that also carries with it the the caveat that because there's not a lot of friction going on uh tires take longer to heat up mm. um, so watch out 
So yeah, if you get, a, if you get like an extended yellow, uh, that I was finding it interesting when the drivers are like complaining about no heat in the tires, no heat in the tires, because the minute the yellow turns green again, they just want to get the jump off, and it's like you know, I think that's just like the way some people like Vettel always complains about that, uh, and it's like well, it's just everyone's tires have to be. It probably affects everyone the same, right? So I don't get why people complain about it. Unless, do you, is there some benefit? Like, is like one chassis more beneficial to keeping heat in the tires than another? That doesn't make any sense, but maybe that's possible. Yeah. Do you I, I think mean, about that? Yeah, d- different cars uh, are tend to be t- have different effects on tires, like you know, or or and drivers as well. Like you know, some people are very good at conserving their tires. Some some are not. Um, but I think you're right. Generally, the 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 weather uh, is kind of a it affects everyone similarly um and you know hopefully people like valtteri botas can warm up their tires without spinning off hopefully hopefully uh let's get to some news here uh in-season testing has been happening in bahrain where among other things haas is trying to get to the bottom of their braking issues um renault is also testing aero upgrades and will run a new front wing in russia Ooh, uh, and some of the on-deck drivers got time in F1 cars, including Red Bull's Pierre Gasly. That's a good name. Which, by the way, it sounds like a Pokemon, right? Yeah. Uh, by the way, I think I forgot to mention uh, that Super Formula uh, <laughs> debuted last weekend, the Japanese open wheel racing series, uh, where Pierre Gasly is uh, a driver. Good old Super Formula. Super fun. Apparently, it is uh, like it's where Stoffel Van Dorn was last year because the cars are the second fastest to Formula One cars. Like even even Formula Two is not as uh, fast as Super Formula. Interesting. Is that just like imagine? Uh, it's probably a budgetary reason why people just to go faster in F one. So you have to spend the teams have to spend so much money just to be able to make them safe at those speeds because the tracks are all the same, right? So. Right. Uh, yeah, must be a budget thing. Uh, other drivers that got some F1 time, Renault's Sergei Sorotkin, who will also be uh, getting some time in practice. Uh, Williams's Gary Paffett. Toro Rosso's Sean Gelial, who I think is also a Formula 2 driver. And McLaren's Oliver Turvey, who is uh, a Formula E driver. Okay. Um, although his time was cut short due to you guessed it, a power unit issue during the uh, testing. Dreaded power unit issues. No one likes them. Yeah. Here's, uh, three, multiple... here's three crazy tricks you won't believe work to fix your power unit problems. Oh, really? Yeah. Just click on this link. They're all okay. right here. Wrap it in a towel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what it'll do is it'll remelt the solder. It's amazing. Uh-huh. Did you ever do that with a 360? Did you ever try that? Uh, yeah, it, it, it didn't work for me. It didn't work for me either. <laughs> I think, it, yeah, that was... That turn was, it upside down. Yeah. Just get it really hot. That'll fix everything. Just put like, it in the oven. <laughs> microwave it. Did you ever see that... I don't know if this was ever... If this ever worked, but people were putting their keyboards in the dishwasher? So that's the thing. If you have a mechanical keyboard, that's how you can get them clean. That's okay. actually a thing. All right. Um, I don't know if it holds up with modern keyboards, but like the ones that have a really good click-clack to them, uh-huh. Uh, yeah, because every, you know, every, about once a month I'll shake the keyboard out, and I don't like what comes out of it, so I totally understand the appeal of wanting to clean that bad boy. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Elsewhere in news, as will be familiar to F1 fans who've been watching the sport for a while, uh, Red Bull is yet again threatening to get out of the sport if some other engine options don't become available. God, what a bunch of crybabies. I when know. They were, when they were fucking dominating a few years ago, everything was fucking sunshines and roses, and now it's like, anytime anything goes wrong, it's like, we will quit. We will quit. Well, go ahead and yes. quit already. No one cares. God. <laughs> Babies. Uh, Helen Marco, Red Bull uh, motorsport consultant, um, wants independent engine suppliers. Uh, yeah. He's speaking here to FormulaOne.com, saying uh, the latest must be 2021 that an independent independent engine supplier comes into F1. Uh, this is more than necessary, and the engine has to be simple, noisy, and on the cost side below 10 million. Uh, we are talking about a much less sophisticated engine to what we have now, a simple racing engine. There are enough companies around that could supply, so we expect the new owners together with the FIA to find a solution at the latest by the end of this season. If that doesn't happen, our stay in F1 is not secured. It's such a trip how like noisy is a thing. <laughs> yeah. I do, you know what? I, I wonder if it's it's got to be an American thing uh, that I don't understand it. Because, or or at least I don't have the uh, the nostalgia for the era of those noisy engines. So the first two years I went to races, it was the noisy engines, and it was completely fucking miserable. Hmm. And then when they changed them, you could talk to your friends next to you. You didn't need earplugs in. You weren't damaging your ears for the rest of your life. <laughs> it was. It's so much better now. I don't understand. Like, oh, but I missed a big, powerful roar. Like, oh boy. Uh, there's a lot of things I miss from olden days. Uh, damaged hearing is not one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand why people love it, but I guess I just I don't have the, uh, the intensity. Uh, so you're a step past me. Explain to me why you think people love it, because I don't even understand that. It just strikes me as strictly a nostalgia thing that doesn't make I, any sense. I think nostalgia is part of it, but also I think, you know, when you're in the presence of something like that, uh, you know, like like standing near a jet engine or watching a rocket launch, like you you understand the uh, the forces going on there, and it's it's awe inspiring. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll admit there's some novelty to it, uh, but like the win win of like getting to experience that for a lap versus having to deal with it for 57 laps, and you know, not being able to talk to your friends without headphones or whatever it is, uh. It's, it's clearly a net negative to me. I just don't see, like, oh, the awe-inspiring. And now my I've lost the, the three decibels off my left ear. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Sign me up, please. Yeah. For me, it's like it's less than tertiary on the things that need to be fixed. Yeah. Uh, but I guess not for Helmut Marco. Not for Helmut Marco. I mean, he's, 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 you know, part of the old guard, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Renault has made some insane concept car imagining what F1 cars would be like in 10 years. Uh, a couple companies have done this. Ferrari came out with one, uh, and I think McLaren came out with one recently. Um, you know, I don't really... Concept cars are a weird thing. Yeah. Uh, but they sure look cool, so that's why I'm talking about it. Uh, also, they're, uh, they say it features a transparent cockpit, so not just the... Um, the bubble over the top, but like there's this lattice on the side so you can see the driver uh, laying in the cockpit, which is kind of cool. Uh, and a transparent helmet that will allow the drivers to be seen in the heat of the action, which is, I think, kind of cool. I 
I one really cool thing about MotoGP is that they have cameras right in the dashboard of the motorcycles. Oh, that's neat. You, you can often see the rider's eyes like looking at um, the corners and stuff. And I would love to be able to see that because, like, when you've got a uh, uh, you know that visor on that's reflective, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't. I don't know. It it abstracts a little bit. Um, uh, in F1 from the fact that these are real people in, in the cars. So I think that's a great idea. Yeah, it's a good idea. I mean, I'm sure that the drivers will hate it because they hate everything. But, like, uh, that'd be – imagine the, the contorted faces we get out of Kimmy now. That's, yeah. that's what I'm looking forward to right there. That would be pretty good. Transparent aluminum. Um, Wait, transparent aluminum? Yeah. It's, that's uh, a thing? Well, it is in Star Trek. Oh, man. It's pretty good. Yeah. All right. The design also features active LED lighting in the wheels. Of course. Uh, get some sick underglow. In uh, the winter, it gets to ghost ride the whip across the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> or you can either ghost ride the whip or Teen Wolf the van. One of the two things. What is, what is Teen Wolfing the van? Oh, my God. Have you ever seen Teen Wolf? I never movie? have. Oh, no. man. It's, it's so Michael J. Fox is Teen Wolf. Uh-huh. And he starts off as like this awkward kid who turns into a wolf randomly when he gets mad or whatever. And at first he's an outcast, but then he realizes he's got all these superpowers. And one of them is he's just mad athletic. And so there's a van. Like a wolf. Yeah, correct. Exactly like a wolf in all ways, except bipedal and kind of human. But he would just surf on top of his van, go around the neighborhood. And he would do like, if I remember, he'd do flips on the top of the van when it's driving around. And kids' neighborhood, they loved it, Drew. They loved it. And uh, it was the precursor. Teen Wolfing the Van was the precursor to Ghost Riding the Whip. Okay. Uh, You know what? If I saw a wolf backflipping on top of a van that was moving, I'd be pretty impressed, too. A teen wolf, nonetheless. I mean, the coolest kind of wolf. Yeah, it's like, it's a wolf plus plus. (laughs) Uh, it, It also features movable wings. Which, you know, anything that has uh, things in common with a F-14 is A-OK in my book. Yep. Um, there's which actually are, a lot are, of regulations. Which are, which are favorite looking fighter pilot of all time? Or fighter jet of all time? Fighter, uh, prob- probably the F-14. Just the novelty of that swivel wing? Yeah. I'm, and, you know, it's the plane and top gun, so. So give me a good, clean Marine F-18 any day of the week. Okay, yeah. You know, with the extra fuel pot on the bottom, mm. uh, just everything going on. It's the F eighteen is mwah for your boy. You ever, been in, uh, you ever been in San Francisco for Fleet Week? See the Blue Angels? No. So we have uh, air and water show here in Chicago. Oh, okay, cool. Which is very similar, and uh, yeah, I've done that a couple times. Nice. Uh, I I love me a good air show. Uh, yeah. But the the thing about movable wings, I, I there are current regulations that state that. The wings on uh, F1 cars cannot move. Um, like, they can't even flex. But I would love to see uh, teams, um, you know, dedicate their resources to making services that do move. You know, that right. that I, I, I want to see what that looks like to take into account. Well, at this speed, they it, it moves to this and then... Uh, that affects the downforce like this. It's like a it's like a tattoo that dances. Yeah, because engineers can go crazy with that stuff. I bet. Like, so just so I'm clear, when you say wing, what specific part are you talking about? Because there could, uh, like any any uh, um, 
aerodynamic surface, I guess. The front oh, so you, wing, mean, the, so the you, mean they, you mean they can't mechanically move? Because, like, the front aerodynamic pieces jiggle around all the time, right? They, they jiggle, but they're not supposed to flex. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, because yeah. remember, like, when Red Bull was dominating and there was that theory that the computer was auto, like, pulsing the curse, coming, like, off of brakes and stuff like that? Like, they, they, they were just doing some really crazy stuff with, like, the engineering on the car where it's, like, uh, just to basically get you traction control. So they're using the curse as that traction control hack. Do you remember that a couple of years ago? That was, yeah. Like, the way. There's like, a... Sorry, go ahead. There's a... Um, I think they were also big into... Maybe this is what you're talking about, but suspension as well. Like, there are a lot of regulations yeah. on what uh, suspensions can and can't do. And, like, you can't have a suspension that... Uh, I'm not even going to try to to <laughs> say the 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 regulations, but um, like the computer can't control the suspension, so they basically tried to make a suspension that like was mechanically controlled, which just sounded insane. But then they right. outlawed that too. Yeah, the cause where I was going with that was like imagine what they could do, like if you put like the computer or whatever along with all the other systems in the car working in unison to like. Just make the arrow as prime as it could be at any given point in time, right? Like, that would just be... I bet you'd get... Yeah. It'd be, cars would be even, even faster. It'd be crazy. Yeah. Uh, they, um, I guess... Who was it? Uh, Red Bull, I think, and PlayStation or, or Gran Turismo, whatever brand, uh, was like, hey... Uh, they went to Red Bull and was like, D- design a car with no regulations. Like, if there were nothing in your way, how f- what is the- what would a car look like that would just go as fast as it possibly can? Um, and let's see, we've we've talked about it before. It's called like the Gran Turismo X1 or something. Um, I'll, I'll I'll put a uh, yeah X X2014. Prototype. I wish I, I want the job where you get to name what a car is. That's yeah. a cool job. I'd be good at naming cars. What do you, what do you, what do you got? Uh, well, I would certainly go with like <laughs> the P29 would be a good starter. Okay. I would go. That sounds with, like a World War II airplane. It might be. Uh, who can say? I would go with the Xavier 11 would mm. be another chassis I would build. Okay, uh, that sounds like one of those experimental cars with a lot of carbon fiber. And then my last one would be the BMW i8. Hmm. That would be the last one I would name. That's a no that's one's a, ever done that one before. That's a great name. <laughs> uh, Red Bull's weird concept car also has four wheel drive and four wheel steering, like the Warthog from Halo. Okay. Uh, and uh, to improve safety, an autonomous mode can be activated in the case of an accident, which is weird. Little little robo race thrown in there. It's safety first. Yes, uh, I will. I will place a link to that in the show notes as well because it does look pretty sweet. Do you have metrics for how many people on the show notes clicked on the supercar link last week? <laughs> I don't. Because uh, I guarantee it wasn't enough people. <laughs> However, I did get an email from Kai Loam, uh, who sent us the full intro to the supercar TV show. Subaka, Subaka, Subaka. <laughs> it's fifty seconds long, so you can watch fifty seconds of Supercar. Are you gonna put that up on this week's show notes? Yes, I will. Oh, Excellent. And also on YouTube, the the first episode of the first season. You can watch a whole episode of Supercar. Very, very nice. 
Astronaut Bill Gibson and his younger brother Jimmy, along with their pet chimpanzee Mitch, find themselves stranded at sea following the crash of their aircraft, Falcon 25. With Navy rescue out of the question due to heavy fog, the opportunity arises for Mike Mercury to give Supercar a test run. <laughs> Mike Mercury. Holy shit. Wow. That's that sounds good... like compelling television. Yeah. How did that show get canceled? How is, that, how is it still not going right now? Uh, VJ Malia, the... Uh... Uh, what's the adjective for um, wanted? The wanted man. Sure. Uh, the, the the wanted team principal of Force India uh, was arrested last week, um, but has made bail at sixty five or uh, six hundred fifty thousand pounds. That doesn't seem like enough bail for that dude. Yeah, I, think I, mean, I'd, I, could, I would classify him as a flight risk. Yeah, which is ironic because he has a defunct airline. Wonk, 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 wonk. Um, but yeah, he's he's out of jail now and presumably wandering around Britain. Um, uh, by the way, I forgot to mention last week. Um, the first formula, the first two Formula Two races were fantastic. So uh, anyone who has not watched those, uh, get on it. Where do you watch those at? Uh, I watch them on the NBC Sports Network app. They okay. also carry the Formula Two stuff. Um. The cars, so it's a it's a it's a spec series. So all the cars are the same, um, and for there's there's two races per weekend, um, and for the second race they reverse the the top eight of the grid, or they maybe they reverse the top ten uh, from the previous qualifying. That's so, neat. Yeah, it's it's and everyone you know everyone's trying to get into Formula One, so it's all very. Uh, very desperate. Yeah. Um, and everyone's just trying really, really hard. So it's it's really cool. Um, and finally, for news, some some sad news here. Uh, in British Formula Four, a uh, driver, seventeen year old kid by the name of Billy Monger, um, was involved in an accident and uh, lost his legs. Um, as a result, uh, and his team put up a uh, a crowdfunding link over at JustGiving.com, which uh, we will also put in the show notes uh, to raise money for uh, for Billy um, for his recovery. And they set a target for two hundred and sixty thousand pounds. It is already at over seven hundred and fifty three thousand pounds. Awesome, that's great. Um, which is so awesome to see. I, I feel like I've seen every, every single driver that I that the Shift F One podcast Twitter account follows on Twitter has been uh, tweeting out this link, and um, and when we're going to do the same. So uh, yeah, the it's, his 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 yeah. team and his family could could definitely help uh, or use the help because uh, that is oh unbelievable. Yeah, that's seventeen just getting started, and then boom. Yeah, that awful yeah but uh great to see everybody coming together to uh, to help out a uh, fellow racer it's amazing it's like considering just how dangerous the sport is more stuff like that doesn't happen every single week I yeah find that, I, I find that amazing yeah i it's and it's i suppose it's surprising in the modern era when it does because we think that we've um solved all the safety issues uh with our you know modern technology um but you know it's still a, a dangerous sport and uh, could could happen to anybody uh in the news of other racing series around the world dave lang 
the World Rally Championship is in Villa Carlos Paz in Cordoba, Argentina for the YPF Rally Argentina. Could you say Cordoba, Argentina again for me? Cordoba, Argentina. Oh, my God. So good. It's so sexy. It's so sexy. World Superbike is at TT Assen in Assen, the Netherlands for the Acerbis Dutch Round. European Formula 3 is at Autodromo Nazionale Monza in Monza, Italy for their second round. Uh, and World Touring Car Championship is also at uh, Monza for the Oscaro Race of Italy. IndyCar is at the Phoenix International Raceway in Avondale, Arizona for the Desert Diamond West Valley Phoenix Grand Prix. The NHRA is at the ZMAX Dragway in Concord, North Carolina for the Four Wide Nationals. And NASCAR. Oh. They're at the Richmond International Raceway in Richmond, Virginia for the Toyota Owners 400. Yeah, Here's every, the- every every car owner is welcome, though. You can even if you don't got a Toyota, you can come. <laughs> Here's the thing: I think like, yeah, obviously, you're a super talented dude. You can do a lot of different things. You got the video stuff. You got all these different things going on. But if you can make that like redneck voice super sexy, I think like that's like an S tier superpower, and you should be an actor. <laughs> you should you should fucking kill all this shit and just go do like Talladega Nights movies. Over and over and over again, and just rake in that green. I think I think you fucked up. <laughs> yeah, maybe I did. Someone someone on Twitter compared it to uh, a it was a cross between Sam Elliott and Ron Swanson. <laughs> that's perfect. Which I think is yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, that's perfect! Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, it'd be like and, uh, if, if Ron Swanson was doing a Sam Elliott impression. That's what it would sound like. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Formula One, Dave Lang. Is on this weekend starting at uh, 1 a.m. on Friday, April 28th. These are Pacific Times. Uh, you can catch Free Practice 1 on the NBC Sports Network app. Free Practice 2, same day, 5 a.m. on NBC Sports Network. Free Practice 3 is Saturday, April 29th at 2 a.m. Uh, available on the app. Followed by qualifying at 5 a.m. on CNBC. The race, Dave Lang, Sunday, April 30th at 5 a.m. on NBC Sports Network. Ooh, I could actually get up for that central time. A little 7 a.m. If I play my cards right, I could actually make that happen. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. You, yeah. Even the, the rest of the United States. Uh, Saturday. Big day in the Lang house on Saturday. Oh, yeah? Yeah, my, uh, my 10-year-old is going for his kid's black belt exam that day. Oh, man. Is he going to break a board? Oh, he's been breaking. You break boards every every exam but oh. the, the big thing with the black belt it's like the first so it's it's a kid's taekwondo class and so you know like anyone could still take this kid because it's just it's it's basically just like fundamentals and form or whatever um but the black belt it seems like is the first one that actually takes semi-seriously like he has to do 300 jumping jacks he has to run two miles Whoa. uh and so he's been gearing up on the treadmill with uh with dad and uh i think he's ready I would, like a month ago, I'm like, there's no way you're going to be ready, my man. And then, but he's been working hard and he's ready. And uh, I picked him up for class last night. It was the last class before the test. And one of his instructors is like, he's ready. His form's never been better. He's ready. I'm like, okay, we'll see what happens. Uh, <laughs> I still somewhat skeptical, but uh, it's going to be a big day either way. That's e- awesome. E- either way, we'll eat pizza after. I guarantee you that much. You know what? That's, that's just a, a great life lesson. Yep. No matter what happens, 
you can still go to round table. Yeah, me and that kid are going to Aurelio's after no matter what. So it'll, it'll all end well. Nice. Well, good luck. Kung Fu Lang. <laughs> so I could just call him the That would actually infuriate him. Dad, it's Taekwondo. It's not Kung Fu. God, Dad. Uh, let's uh, take a look at the driver standings here. Sebastian Vettel out front with 68 points. Hamilton. Call him Sebastian Vettel? Yes. Why would you do that to my boy? It's this the, is blatant it's, disrespect. It's the, it's the German pronunciation. Oh, of course. Yeah, there yeah. it is. Uh, it, at least I don't call him Vettel. Yeah, fair enough. Which a lot of British commentators still seem to do. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, <laughs> seven points behind him, 61. Botas in third with 38 points. Uh, Raikkonen's got 34 uh, Verstappen in fifth place with 25 points. Right behind him is Ricardo with 22. Felipe Massa has 16. Sergio Perez has 14. Sainz has 10. Roman Grosjean and Magnussen are tied for 10th uh, with four points. Uh, Esteban Ocon is in 12th with three. Hulkenberg and Kofiat have two. And Verline, Giovinazzi, Palmer, Van Dorn, Alonso, and Ericsson all have zero points. Let's uh, see. Teams, Let's- Dave Lang... Let's Sorry? hear the teams. No, I'll go ahead. Let's hear the teams. Okay. Uh, your boy's Ferrari out in front with 102. That's right. Uh, Mercedes has 99. Red Bull's got 47 in a sort of distant third place, uh, hoping they can turn it around. Uh, they, they seem to have some uh, a lot of upgrades coming soon in, in Spain and, um, and Canada, I think. If we don't get first this week, we're not going to finish the season. <laughs> <laughs> if we don't get first and third at least this week, we're not going to finish the season. I, I wonder uh, if the new management just is not going to take that stuff anymore. If they're uh, just going to be like, fine, yeah, then go. Bounce. Go ahead. All right. I'm out. Fine. Then leave. Good. Fine. Yeah. I mean, it's their first test. It's their first test. We'll see what happens. And then they, they tell them what they can do, but a plane flies over so they can't hear it. <laughs> uh, fourth place is Force India with 17 right behind them is Williams with uh, 16 Toro Rosso in 6th with 12 Haas has 8 Renault's got 2 and uh, Sauber and McLaren both have 0 uh, McLaren I predict McLaren's going to end the year with 0 ooh really yeah man yeah it's, that'd be rough I mean it's just it's the it's as bad a start as you could possibly imagine, I think, uh, in terms of like just DN, DNFs and just performance on the track. Like, there's no reason to believe, right? I mean, Alonso, I don't think has finished a race this season, right? And there's just no reason to believe that they're going to get better faster than everyone else is going to get better. Uh, just disastrous. Hmm. Could be. I I hold out hope, but uh, you you never know with McLaren. Uh, let's take it to some emails. We should maybe call the first half of this corrections because, um, we got a <laughs> lot of people writing in very helpfully. Thank you to John and Lewis and I, everyone I predict, on Twitter. I predict someone explaining how the stop and goes work. I've predicted yes. a couple emails about that. Uh-huh. We were a little confused. <laughs> Last episode. I, I uh, the, commentator, the commentators explained it stupid. They've definitely made it sound like whatever. Explain it the right way. Emails. Go ahead. All right, John says, if the car pits after a time penalty has been applied, they must serve the penalty during that pit stop. If the car has no more pit stops to take during that race, 
then the five seconds are applied at the end of the race. So yeah. you can't elect to not serve it at a pit stop and then apply it to the end. It's almost like the rules committee thought of everything already. Yes. Uh, Lewis, however, adds that a stop-and-go penalty is one where the driver must stop and serve a time penalty in the pits within three laps of the penalty being issued. Yeah, so they're different. Yes. Uh, a drive-through penalty means that the driver must go through the pit lane adhering to the speed limit, uh, but does not have to stop in their pit box. This also has to be served within three laps of being issued. So thanks to everyone who uh, clarified that for us. Yeah, the multiple people you know. that clarified that for us. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're we're not experts. We're just we're just fans. So uh, this is this is all learning experience for everyone together. So I kind of consider you. myself an expert. Well, good. Like you know, even experts get things wrong occasionally. It's true. Uh, Greg also writes in. We uh, were conjecturing uh, about how pressure affected tires. Also, last episode, um, and says, "Hey guys, I'm a racing mechanic." <laughs> Not F1, but open wheel. So I hope this helps. Well, Greg, you, yeah, you would know. Uh, as the tires build heat, the tire pressure will come up. The best visual of this I can give you is to uh, search for an IndyCar race at Texas at night and watch the start. The cars bottom out until the pressure raises the car, which is awesome. Interesting. Um, as for the tires being handmade... Usually that's referring to the belt inside the tire. The belt is then placed in a mold, and then the tire is made. Uh, That makes more sense. Yeah. Thank you, Greg. It still seems weird, but it makes sense at least. Thank you, Greg. Um, uh, Next, let's get on to some questions from the email. This is TJ. He writes in and says, uh, hey, Drew and Danny and Dave Lang. Uh, I've been listening to the podcast for a while now, and it is the reason I got into F1. That is awesome to hear. Um, when Drew talked about Justin Timberlake being the concert this year for the American Grand Prix, I knew this was my chance to sell my wife on the idea. Well, today we ordered our tickets to our first Grand Prix. We got seats at turn 15. Nice. Uh, great turn. Uh, and I can't wait. I was wondering if you guys have any advice on what to do during the weekend, transportation or lodging. Thanks for the podcast. I think this is a, a, a good thing to address um, as much as possible, because I love going to, or I loved going to the one Grand Prix that I that I've been to. Um, but it is kind of this weird black box of like, what happens and how do you do it right? Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to get your your tips on this too, Dave Lang. Uh, generically, assume it's going to be disastrous getting into and out of the race. Mm-hmm. Um, like plan for a lot of time. Uh, <laughs> We usually some races are worse than this. Like I think Austin is pretty crummy because it's it's not easy to get into. It's like a little road getting into there, and all these like hundred thousand people coming in. Um, Spa is another really crummy one. Um, just get there early so you don't have to worry about it, and then just walk around the track, get some get a nice little beer or two, uh, mm-hmm. just enjoy the weather, uh, and then getting out like either. So generally, I'll leave around three ra- three laps left. I'll start making my way to the car unless you know f- I haven't had to worry about Ferrari being in contention recently. So <laughs> if you don't care about the end, I would highly recommend scooting a couple laps early. And if not, then go walk the track at the end of it. Uh, go to the podium. Go watch the things. <laughs> Everyone should do that once anyway. Um, pick up some of the marbles from the road, and then just Ooh, don't yeah. be in a hurry to get out because you're not getting out of there fast anyway at that point. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great, great advice. Just to not, not try to worry about timing or anything like that, because you're just gonna—that's just gonna stress you out a lot. Um, also, 
know that you're going to probably spend a lot of money on food, on beer, on uh, if you want to get anything like a hat. I think my hat, my Williams hat was 50 bucks. Yeah, they're obnoxious. <laughs> um, just, yeah, it, but if, it, and same with the traffic, if you go in expecting that stuff, it's, it's you know, it's it, a lot of uh, uh, weight off your mind. It, especially if it's your, just your first time, uh, getting there early is really rad because you can, like, pretty much walk most tracks anyway will let you walk the circumference of the whole track and so you can see what it's like at like turn three or turn five or whatever um you can maybe not get where the seats are but you can at least get kind of close to get a sense for it so if you go back next time you're like oh maybe i want to sit here next time or whatever because uh, there's almost always things happening on the track too right it's not like if f1 isn't happening the track's dead you know there's always like the porsche series or sometimes mm-hmm. there's gp2 or whatever and so there's almost always stuff happening you, you know you won't know any of the drivers or probably much about it but uh it makes it not boring it makes it much less boring than sitting in the car anyway totally uh and and i actually yeah had a, had a great time walking around austin in particular because they've got that uh that thing you can go all the way to the top of which is really cool um it costs a few bucks but you know whatever uh yeah, but you're, that's, you're, that's you're also there cool. It's also very good uh, pointing out that things are very expensive because they are fucking expensive there. Yes. Yes. Uh, I would also say uh, um, sunscreen, hats. Even if you're not like a hat guy, wear a hat. You'd be surprised at how much a hat helps. Uh, I, I'd, go a, I'd go a step beyond that. Like Even if you think everything's going to be fine, i just throw a backpack together. Uh, not a big one, but just a small backpack. I would put like a poncho in there. You know, just anything you think you might need for the day. Uh, one time I, like, walked through this puddle accidentally and my socks were ruined, so I wish I had an extra pair of socks, so I put extra socks in my bag. Mm. Uh, just anything like that, because it's like, you know, this is an outdoor event and uh, strange shit happens. So, yeah, second on the sunscreen, and I even usually go a step beyond that. My friends ridicule me mercilessly for doing that, but um, the one time I had a poncho and they didn't, it was pretty great. <laughs> uh, I would also recommend paying the few extra bucks for the month and get the F1 app um, and have it on your phone during the race to get a sense of what's happening. I, I found that invaluable because like there are TV screens, yeah. um, but you can't really hear the commentary very well. Uh, and I think you get the track commentary, so you don't get like the NBC Sports or Sky. Um, so it's not as good. Uh, also, a phone battery because... <laughs> You're just it, your phone's just going to suck battery out there uh, with everybody else uh, competing for for bandwidth. Yeah, I've never done that, but I do see a lot of people like you know one eye on the track and one eye on the app, just keeping track of times and what's going on because you definitely lose a lot of context for you know that like oh when you're watching on TV it's like oh man that pit stop was crazy why did they take the pit stop there and you're watching in person you have no idea it was like a crazy thing to do or whatever so uh, I, I I've never done it but I totally get the appeal of it. Yeah. Uh, you, I guess you could also have someone like streaming if that's possible from the NBC Sports Network app um, and listening to the commentary. Uh, One thing I'm, I'm always surprised at these events that, you know, like you go to something like E3 and you can pretty much count your cell phone's not going to work, right? Just because right. there's too many people. Like I've never had my phone not work at an F1 event. Um, and that surprised me. I guess maybe they're just spread out over all bigger areas or something. I don't know, but um, I bet you not everyone is live tweeting. Yeah. Uh, periscoping Periscoping. runs to Taco Bell. Yes. Uh, we rented an Airbnb in Austin. 
Um, and we also got, uh, uh, we rented a car. Our tickets came with a parking spot. So we rented a car and that was really, really, um, uh, helpful because there's no Uber in Austin. Um, there are competing services, I think. Yeah. And um, one, I don't remember the name of them, but one of them is completely fine. Uh, that's what yeah. I do when I'm there. Um, okay. but, there, but getting it to and from like from the track, especially virtually impossible. Um, if you're into, uh, getting some drinks, uh, like sixth street gets all the acclaim, but really go to rainy street in Austin. Okay. Rainy street is where it's at. It's more like upscale, not even upscale. It's just adults. It's like where adults go to hang out and get some drinks. Uh, Sounds cool. There's a little bit of everything. So it used to be, it was, it's like all converted houses that t- turned into yeah. restaurants and bars. It's fucking weird. It's really weird, but it's super cool. Um, and that's where you got to kick it. If you're, I think, above 35, you got to kick it over on Rainy, or above 25, you got to kick it over on Rainy Street. Got it. Good to know. Uh, next email, well, emails. So this is cool. We have an email, and then we have an, an email answering the email. Uh, this one comes in from Spencer in Queens, NY. On the last podcast, Danny mentioned in passing that the safety car has only been around in F1 for 20 years or so. Uh, I recently started watching F1, but can't imagine racing without it. Uh, what was F1 safety like 20 years ago? Was it just an honor system or something? Uh, were there burning cars on the sides of the road like old Lamaze races in the 90s? Uh, if you know any literature or films, I would love to learn more. Um, for For this subject specifically like f1 and safety and how insane it was back in the 60s and 70s um i would recommend a a movie called one just the number one i think it's on netflix it's it goes into this stuff and it's it's really well done and and kind of um explains how jackie stewart uh a driver back then sir jackie stewart sir jackie stewart friend of dave lang Friend is not quite right, but sure. <laughs> uh, kind of championed this stuff and was like, "Look, we're people are dying all over the place. This is not people don't want to see that." Um, and uh, and kind of got it, kind of got it changed around. Yeah, I think uh, the first time I became aware, this was out before one was was the Senna documentary. Oh yes, um, that's a also, really also really fantastic. good one for a look into like how Senna's uh, spoiler alert Senna dies. Uh, about how that changed like safety in F1 forever. Yes. Um, it's not just both. about that. It's it's about Senna's career, but at the end of it, it's a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, both of them are, are fantastic, and I think they're on Netflix. Uh, but this email from Andrew. Uh, hey, Drew and Danny, big fan of the podcast. I thought I would let you in on some information I found when having to give a 10-minute presentation for my business course in university. You could pick anything you want, so naturally I chose F1 and how it has changed over the 50 or 60 years. Uh, some of the facts I found during my research were quite surprising and shocking, uh, some of which are uh, protective helmets and overalls were not mandatory until 1963. Uh, until 1979, the car rearview mirrors were not mandatory on the cars. Some cars did not put them on in order to have less aerodynamic resistance, even though the drivers could not see behind them. Uh, any drug testing was not implemented uh, for the drivers pre-race until 1989. Not that anyone would expect people to drive an F1 car uh, well on cocaine, but you never know. Oh, no, I bet you if I was an F1 driver and I wanted that edge, I could, tell, I could see a bunch. Well, I shouldn't say me because I would never do it. Wink, wink. But I bet Adderall is popular among the boys. I'll, I'll bet, like you know, uh, human growth hormone. Like this is a 
This is a physical thing. You want? See, I don't know if they because that's more of like a bulk, and these guys can't weigh much. I'm not sure if that's actually where it's at, but like I would think, just like okay, I want to be at max. I want to be at peak attention for two hours straight. I need every like every one of my senses fully on 100 percent for a long period of time. What's so I, what's what's the move where you like you you do a really intense workout and then you you extract your blood and then save it and then right before uh you're you're competing you inject your own blood into your blood i saw bicyclers do that shit right people do yeah. like the, the, the what's that le mans not le mans uh the tw- what's what's the thing they do the big race in paris takes 21 days or whatever tour to tour to france there you go yes yeah so you could do that you could <laughs> Get that edge. Get the, but that's the, what get Hamil- the bag Han- hanging on the pole behind you. That's what they don't show you under the cockpit. It's just everyone has actually got uh, just bags and bags, pints and pints of just Hamilton's blood. And they're all pumping Hamilton's blood <laughs> through their veins. That's what no one knows about F1. It's F1's dirty secret. Exactly. There will be a documentary uncovering that soon. Uh, there was no safety car up until 92. Uh, only having double-waved yellows instead up until that time. Uh, and until 94, there was no pit lane speed limit, so the drivers could essentially drive as fast as they could if they wanted to uh, at the risk of all others in the pit lane. <laughs> that seems the most insane of all the things I've heard. 94! That's insane. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So thanks, Andrew. Uh, that is that is it for emails. Again, you can hit us up at uh, f1.cool slash emails. Uh, we are also on Twitter. Follow Shift F1 Podcast for show updates and any fun F1 stuff we run across. I am at Drew Scanlon. Dave Lang, you are? At Joseph J. Brony. Uh, shout outs this week to Megan for sending us an amazing video detailing, detailing the job of every single crew member during a pit stop. Um, it's like a 23-minute video that goes through every single dude um, on the pit crew. Like, there are like three people per tire. Uh, there are two guys watching the pit lane. Like, it's it's incredible. I always wanted to know what each individual guy does, and this video does a, a tremendous job uh, detailing all of that. Um, also, uh, the, the channel that does it, Driver61, we've linked to them before, uh, also has just a, a ton of really good videos about the nitty-gritty of things like, how do you take a turn? Like, do you take the mathematical best way around a turn? No, you actually like dive way further than is mathematically a perfect turn and then cut sharper so that you have a longer acceleration. Like it, it goes into that kind of stuff and does so in a really um, understandable way. So I, I highly recommend driver 61 on YouTube. That was like one of the best accidental things that ever happened to me uh, through video gaming is the first Gran Turismo, you know, like mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about apexes or taking turns or whatever until I played that first Gran Turismo and they, the tutorials were like so hardcore, you know, the, those ones, Oh, you have to get your license before you can drive. Right. Right. And it's like, no, it's like, so you're going to be in slow out fast, right? The in slow out fast. This is driving that India. And I feel like, you know, they're not as hardcore as they used to be with those tutorials, but like without Gran Turismo, I would not know how to apex. That's a, that's a really good point. I haven't seen like the, the tutorials that I, have seen recently have been like, here's how to operate the car. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I I never played uh, Gran Turismo. I didn't have a PlayStation, but the the closest thing I think was um, Project Gotham Racing on the Xbox. So the Gran um, Turismo like, understanding how to drift was a, a huge thing too. Yeah, like the Gran Turismo's, they still have like okay, you need to get your license. They have this like that metaphor, but it's more like oh, you have to break in between these cones. You have to reach 100 miles an hour, then break right. in between these cones or whatever. And they're not just not as technical as. Some of the original ones were, and uh, but yeah, they were. Like they're teaching you how to drive, not necessarily how to race. Correct. Yeah. 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 I, I wish. I don't think iRacing has any of that stuff either. I think iRacing just expects you to already be a race god. Yeah. If you're, I mean, you're buying iRacing. Guess what? It's probably your first rodeo, right? So. Yeah. Uh, Max Verstappen and uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. both big iRacing fans, so <laughs> it's probably pretty accurate. Uh, also, thanks to Boris, who says F1 is too big and links to an article on fizz.org about chemists and physicists racing microscopic molecular cars. <laughs> I will link that, too. It's insane. Uh, as always, you can find our show notes at f1.cool, along with how to subscribe via RSS, iTunes, Google Play, and wherever podcasts are sold. Until next time, I am Drew Scanlon. That is Dave Lang. Yes. This Any is, parting words, Dave Lang? Uh, I'm going to put up my, my new YouTube series, Real Meme Hours, Volume 3, this week sometime. So be on the lookout for that. All right, will do. Have a great race weekend, everyone, and we will see you all next week. Next week.